the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. I am your host, your guide, your guru, perhaps your Yoda, depends on where you're coming from, in leading towards all things countercultural. I know that sounds silly. I'm just talking smack now. No, counterculture, the reason this show exists is really to highlight those countercultural people who are helping us grow in peace and in a very divided world that we want to find those who are peacemakers in a very selfish world. We want to find those who are helping us be more compassionate and really in a, in a culture that is so often disintegrating and um, we want to find those who are really building up culture. And so that's why we've existed. So this is like 80, we have like 84 shows now and and I get love it because I get to call and talk to people all over the nation who are doing these amazing things. And on the phone today, calling in from sunny Florida, we have Andrew Holmes. Welcome, Andrew. Well, hey, hey, how are you? Not too shabby. How are you? I'm not too shabby myself. Okay, man. that's good. good. <laughs> that's good. You know, not too shabby is not a trademark. So I've, it, I've tried to get it trademarked. It's not. So anyone can use it. Uh, Thank you. Use it for, liberally. And so are you okay. call, you're in, are, where in Florida are you? Currently, I'm literally in Fort Lauderdale. Fort right? Lauderdale. Where I'm, that's where I'm uh, podcasting. Podcasting from today. From today. <laughs> okay. Are you basically, you live in a van in Florida and you travel around going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a golf cart. A golf cart. Um, oh, that's the thing. That's Florida. very Florida. Yeah. I try to sneak a charge in at the local Walmart. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Right. good life. It's a good life. I heard they have pretty good showers at the uh, TOA campsites. Yeah, yeah. Kiowa, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew is the director. Uh, he's he's not living in a, in a in a golf cart in Florida, but he is the director of church engagement with four kids, uh, born and raised South Florida. His heart to see the church transform society. Now, you, he has a background. We're going to get into this. I can't wait to hear about it. A background with child protective services. But he also works for with the, uh, with a, uh, this nonprofit uh, for kids, and so we're going to dive into that. So, but before we kind of get into your story and all that, we like to kind of get to know a little bit more about you. Like, and so we play this game yeah. called Fake News. All right, where you say something true and something not true about yourself, and I, in all Ooh. my wisdom, try to discern which one is fake. Oh, so, I'm enjoy okay, this. let's see if I can see if you can stump me. <clears throat> okay, go for it. Are you? Are I'm you ready. ready. I'm ready. Okay, I was a Division One football player. Okay, Division One. I sing and play the guitar. Oh, okay. Now, okay, this is interesting. Okay, so I've seen Andrew doing uh, a presentation 
And Andrew's, just so for radio, just so you know, radio listeners, Andrew's a big dude. So he, and, and I, I don't mean to brag, and I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very skilled cage fighter, but Andrew could take me out any day of the week. And okay, okay, I'm not a cage fighter, but, but definitely, Andrew could definitely take me out and destroy me. So he's a big dude. So the, the Division One football makes total sense. But I, maybe there's this artsy side to you, that this musical side. I'm, so I'm going to think everyone thinks because you're big, you're a football player. So I'm going to say you actually have you're the, you're the you're a musician. Wow. I, I, I'll tell you. Um, and please don't kick me off the show. But, uh, <laughs> I'm wrong. I gave you I gave you two truths, man. <laughs> you gave me two truths. I gave you. Oh. Two truths. they're both. Truth. Oh. Technically, you didn't. You didn't lose. I didn't lose because I I discerned the truth. So I you broke, wow, I very. I I saw I the football through. was plausible, and it, it was plausible because it was true too. Wow, it you made this easy. Too. I I don't know what what's this going to do with our my stats. I think I'm I, I'm. You, everyone's going to say, oh, he's just padding his stats. He gets people who never who think they can't lie. In the <laughs> oh, that's okay. In all honesty, uh, I've never got. I usually get about half right. I'm pretty much a coin toss, so don't no you don't no problem. That's cool. That's interesting because you have both sides to you. So, so if you're if Andrew, so you are also married. Yep. And you have two. You have two kids. I do. I have two girls. One six and one is three. Little and okay. Then, yep. I've got a little boy on the way. Little boy on the way. Wow. So 2.5 kids. Amazing. Okay. I love. So you're in like, that's like a high, high demand season in your life <laughs> with, oh, young, with young kids, yeah. you know, and you're going to have to switch. I can tell you as from experience, you're going to have to switch from the man to man defense as parents to the zone defense. Good. So just just be ready for that. Go for go for this. That is a good analogy. For <laughs> so me, the girls are in this room. So you, and then the boys in this room. So zone up. So <laughs> so, but your background. So let's just go back. You grew up in South Florida, and so yep. where, you where did you end up? You ended up. No, you didn't. You finish high school and then say, "I want to work for Child Protective Services." Tell me about well, journey. Great. Great question. Um, finished high school, then played college ball right. in That's Pennsylvania. Right. Pennsylvania. Then moved back home. Okay. Yeah. Then moved back home, and um, I coached football for, for a year, and then just really felt this call to, like, kind of do more than what I was doing. Okay. Um, more me- more meaningful, not right. more, like, filling my time. Right. Not that coaching football wasn't meaningful, but I just felt, you know, like, there's a little bit more I could do in the community. Right, right. And um, in searching for, you know, jobs, like it, it came across um, my job search that our local sheriff's office, which in Florida, in Broward County, uh, in Florida, which is um, South Florida, where Fort Lauderdale is, um, it's, a, it's structured a little differently than other places in the nation, like DCF mm. or DCFS, which is the governmental branch of um Job protection is, is normally run on its own, but in Broward, it's contracted oh, okay. uh, because of the population. So I applied to the sheriff's office to be uh, a child protective investigator. So it was just kind of a unique experience yeah. because, you know, you're contracted by the government, but you're working kind of with local law enforcement okay. as an extension of local law enforcement. So you're given like, so let's just say, give me an example of what you're given a case 
But exactly, and, and then yeah. you so give me an example of that. Yeah. So if somebody sees um, child abuse, right, neglect or abandonment, they make a phone call. That phone call goes to DCF, then to if it's in Broad County, goes to you know BSO, and then you get uh, a report, an allegations report, where then you go and investigate, you know, what the allegations are, who the perpetrator is, and determine whether or not the child is safe enough to stay with their family sure. or needs to be put in the foster care. No, that has to, that. there's no way that can be an easy decision. I mean, sometimes it might be super easy, but that has to be a very, very tough way to discern, how to discern that. Oh, man, it is, it's almost like it, there's not enough training in the world to yeah. just develop, like, the right skill or the right yeah. you know, nuance of investigating like it. There has to be something else going on, like with you, that that you can make those kind of decisions. Something else very good, because you know the only group of people that have the authority to disrupt a family in that way um, are not even police officers can do that. It has to be an investigator, at least right. that's what structure here. Yeah. Um, so it is a very very heavy weight, and no, it is it's not easy. It's gut wrenching on the best day. Sure. Oh, yeah. And without giving me, maybe. Too much information, obviously, but just is give me an example, like what what something that just kind of stuck with you. Okay, yeah, I'll uh, I'll share this story. Um, and if I get too heavy, you could just make a joke. No, that's okay. No, 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 no. I, uh, it's... So growing up down here, um, I, I got a, a, a case in an area that's maybe ten minutes from where I live, right? And I grew up, I grew up pretty good, you know, like. Um, Probably you would you would call it like middle class family. Both yeah. my parents are entrepreneurs, so like I, I didn't see like a lot of rough areas in my day to day. I did you know for work, but like I, I I never was accustomed to like very rough areas to live. But this place that I got this allegation from was ten minutes from my house. Mm. Now thinking in your mind like your home is a safe place, like you know your right. parents develop really good things for you, but like ten minutes down the road, I was thrusted into this situation, you know, in my adult life, yeah. where um, the allegation was that there was a two-year-old uh, living in a storage unit with, oh my. Um, with a, a mother who was using substances and also, um, I'll put it like this, uh, used her body or used her body as a primary source of income. Yeah, right? yep. yeah, it was a prostitution. A nice yep. Yeah, yep. Um, so, um... Uh, I'm investigating. Heart wrenching. Right. Dude, man, I'm going out to this case. I'm going to investigate it. A storage and unit. Storage unit, right? Not okay. house, not right. apartment, not van, not golf cart, like right. storage unit. Um, and long, long story short, um, the first time I went out there, the, there was nothing to be seen that was hidden very well. You couldn't tell they were living there, and they even had somebody vouch for them that they weren't. The second time I went out there, it was completely random. Um, I was uh, in a totally unrelated scenario. I was having breakfast with somebody, and that somebody knew somebody that had a soup kitchen in the neighborhood. Yeah. And then they asked a question about the girl that was on my case. Yeah. The likelihood of this being the case wow. is about like one in 300. Yeah. It's not even possible. So there has right. to be some divine like intervention there. Yeah. So I go out for the second time to the storage unit, 
and I kick open the door. Yeah. Because it was like jammed or locked. Right. Kick open the door and I find this two year old girl sitting on the lap of somebody who's clearly addicted to drugs. Yeah. Uh, the mother was out making money. Wow. Um, and I remember the look on that girl's face. Uh, and I, and I, I said to the, to the guy who was holding her, I said, you're going to have to give me the baby because, um, I need to put her in a safe place. And, and he looked at me and he was rocking back and forth. And he said, you know, I, I can't, I can't let you have the baby. I'm supposed to watch the baby. I said, no, trust me. Like you have to give me this baby so that I can help her to be safe. And when I, when I, Grab that little girl. Uh, he put her in my, my arms. And, you know, when, when I went into the storage unit, her head was like on a swivel, right? She was yeah. constantly examining her environment. She didn't know what was going to happen. Loud noises, strangers. She was constantly alert. But when I picked her up, this is something that totally, like, ruined me in a good way. Yeah. She didn't really know me. You know, right. Like, she's two. So there's not a lot that she could know, even if she did. Right. And when I, when I held her in my arms, Every muscle in her neck just relaxed, and she put her head on my shoulder. Wow. wow. And um, it was at that moment that, you know, I realized the power of good people doing good work. Um, and for me, you know, my faith, obviously, being a Christian, like yeah. carrying what it means to be a Christian and what that mm. meant for that little girl to not even have known me, but known that I was safe and, and lay her head on my shoulder and um, that, that, that was my most impactful case. One of my most impactful yeah. cases. And then that's kind of where my desire to now help put kids into foster or put kids into homes instead of into foster care. Right. Uh, that's where it really was birthed. You know, my job was to take them and now I get to put them. Um, that's powerful. Cause I, I, you know, there, we, we are fortunate to talk with a number of leaders in foster care around the country and, um, but I don't think I've ever met someone who themselves was the person who literally had to kick in doors to do this. Yeah. And uh, that is something. And, so, and oftentimes it's, there's a story that it's like what, there's something that happened in you. And I, if you're just tuning in, this is Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. I have on the line uh, uh, Andrew Holmes calling in from Florida, who's the director of church engagement with four kids and a former uh, child protective worker. Who um, God just like changed his heart and opened up a, a new way to approach children. So we're just hearing his story, and so um, so let's just go back. So you're you're doing this work, and clearly we need people to do this, right? We need the, yeah. do the hard, yeah. who have to do the investigations, who have to go into this. This is frontline hard work, often very poorly paid. <laughs> yeah, and. Yeah. But they've they they do it to help children, right? And so you're doing yeah. this work. For how long have you were you doing this for? Ooh, this is this is good. Not very long. Eighteen okay. months. Eighteen months. Okay. Eighteen months. Eighteen months. Was my run. Yeah. Doing that work. Yep. And so so let's just say you're near this. You're in the season. You're you've been doing it a year and a half, and you're like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? So what happens in this time uh, during that time? Well, there was I had a little almost like stepping stone um, from that point where, you know, coming from my parents and their entrepreneurial background, like I always was starting businesses and trying to generate revenue and, you know, trying to create some good economics so that I could do sure. more of the things that I felt called to. Um, so I thought 
that that was the route that I needed to take to be able to, you know, provide that, that safety to be able to make it an sure. impact for kids. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and then really felt I, I did business for a couple of years sure. and then really felt this pull to take the experience that I had in child protection yeah. and relationship building in business. Um, cause I mostly did finance in that period yeah. and, um, and work at or work for, uh, for kids, mm-hmm. which is a, it's a Christian foster care agency. Um, in South Florida, and we've been around for 25 years this okay. year. Wow. Served over 30,000 kids. 30,000 um, children. You've served. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So when you so say that, that, when, when you say your foster care agency, just for our audience, what is that? Tell me what that is. So we're, we're, uh, we do uh, multiple things, but how it was started was a, like a placement agency. So we are the kind of intermediary between uh, the state and the families. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, you know, at the time when four kids started, child welfare in South Florida was terrible. I think we were ranked like 48th or 49th in the nation. Um, as far as that's how bad we were, kids wow. were sleeping under desks in offices. It mm. was just not for whatever reason. And there's no judgment. It's just, it wasn't working. Yeah. Um, so that's when, you know, there was a group of people at one of the local churches down here. That's like, we've got to do something about this thus then form this placement agency where we would recruit family, good family yes. that could help kids heal. That didn't want to just do it for, you know, the stipend you get for fostering or right, for whatever right. reason, but they actually felt a call to do this work, mm-hmm. to be a parent for a kid who has come from a storage unit, yeah. who has come from a traumatic place right. and, and learn how to parent them through their traumatic behaviors Yes. And have a sense of expertise to bringing a child into that, that healthy place and help them heal. Um, so, yeah, that that my story from, you know, child protection business to right. kids on the ministry side, that's what we do as a child placement agency. We find homes yeah. for children to go to. That's And now after 25 years, we've had a, a tremendous growth. We now yeah. have a therapeutic arm. We have a preventative arm. Yeah. Um, we have a lot now more in our in our reach in the community, but it all started there. It all started with uh, finding homes, finding homes, and um, I think that's a that's a great call. And oftentimes th- that first pursuit leads you to realize it's also you know they use the term upstream from if you could even b- b- instead of just waiting till there's this tragedy that happens and you need to foster and adopt, which we need to be involved in, you can also look up stream and say, well, if we could prevent this from ever happening, then yeah. well, how much better it is that they could remain in their families so it never gets to the point where a, a door has to be busted down, so to speak, proverbially. Yeah. Wow. And so you're the director of church engagement, which means you have a heart to see the church engage in foster care. So tell me, what what does that mean to you? Yeah, it's something so beautiful. I mean, in in this faith, right, like in James one twenty seven, it talks about what pure. Like if you're going to be religious at anything, yeah, right. James, the brother of Jesus, is talking to his fellow Jews. If you're going to be religious at anything, yeah, be religious at this. Care yes. for the widows, care for the orphans. And although a kid in foster care isn't necessarily like a traditional orphan that lost their parents, in a way they've been orphans. 
Yeah, in they've a been way, their yep. parents were not able to parent them, which yeah. create which falls them into that biblical category. And it, when you realize, like when that girl put her head on my shoulder, I, I don't think it was just because I was a good guy or I was right. big because I played football and she felt. I don't think it was that, man. I really think it was because there exists inside of me uh, a source of power, a source of comfort, a source of strength mm-hmm. that was different than she was ever exposed yeah, to, and yeah. that is what the church carries. Yeah, uh, that I mean, the, countless times in 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 the Bible, you see how the church. One of the church's responsibilities it's it's not the government's responsibility, right? right to to care for the children, like it's the church's. Matter of fact. When the early church started, one of the one of the biggest characteristics of the mm-hmm. church was um, in Roman culture. It was it was customary for people to leave their children on the side of the road and, and in the woods, or by the or by the well or something like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, they were deformed and hard to to manage. And the early church, first century church, was the group of people that cared for these children. Yeah. So you see, throughout history, it's the church's responsibility to provide a place for these children to heal. Right. But I'll take it a step further and say, I think that there's something so special that happens in the church community that helps advance, accelerate that healing process for a child. So I mm. invite churches in, in our local area, which we're in Broward, Palm Beach, uh, the Treasure Coast, now over on the West Coast of Florida, which okay. is like Naples, which is Springs. Right, okay. We, we find churches and invite them into that place. Mm to engage the people that attend, engage the people that might have this calling to be a family that cares for a child. Um, and that's how we do it. We build relationships with these churches and invite them into that process. Mm. That's huge, and we need that. And I'm thankful um, that we we get to give an opportunity on the show to give more voice to that kind of call to the church. And that's that's dear to my heart. And so partly, so what I'm hearing, that the church needs to be able, and there's pe- enough people and resources within the church to care for the, these foster and adoptive families. Now, let's just say, we I think all of us should ask that question, are, am I able to, and am I willing to, yeah. and am I able to? The right. second question said, it, like, if not me, how could I help, right? Isn't like... Incredible question, and and so is that is that what you're saying to churches? Is there other ways besides Absolutely. adopting or fostering? Absolutely, and we're, we're fortunate to be in partnership with a lot of the organizations yeah. that grab information nationally on the impact of not being a foster family, but supporting a foster family, right. or or preventing kids from coming into care by supporting the biological right. family. Right? Like, those are two incredible on-ramps to, to going after this issue. Right. One, be there to catch, the, you know, downstream. Here we are. Things are coming. I can catch it. I, I might not be able to foster, but I can bring right. a meal. And do you know that a meal buys back a foster family roughly four hours on yeah. average of time that the people who can do it can spend with their kids working on that healing process simply by bringing a pizza over? Yeah, incredible, right, right, right. Wow. Being a babysitter. Um that allowing a family to connect, uh, or, or let's say there's two parents in the house, allowing them to connect, go on a date by, you know, and rekindle their love so that they they have the strength to care for. Because fostering is a challenging space, right? You so bet that, it is. Those are those are the volunteer avenues. But then, yeah. like we talk about prevention, 
and strengthening a biological family so that the kid never even has to leave their family. Yeah, now that, yeah. That's special. Like, this is a special work we do in foster care. But, I I mean, I, I'm one to say that the intentional family is probably the best place for that. The original family is probably the best place for that child, yeah. right? Like, if, if everything was perfected. Now, we, we, we have over 700 adopted families, and they, and they know and we know that this child is theirs, yeah. you know? But, like, if we can make efforts, significant efforts, to keep the original family unit together— there's a lot of things Huge. that never come downstream yeah. that we never even need to fix because the original design was kept intact. So those are ways, if that makes sense, if it's totally clear, does. those are ways that somebody can simply, like, realistically yeah. be a part of this and do something incredible with their life that, honestly, isn't that hard to do. Right. So as we kind of wrap up our conversation, which has been fantastic, I've loved, been loving hearing your story, so our listeners, so I mean, well, most of our listeners are in in Arizona, but in, just in case you're listening to the podcast from somewhere, or even if you're in Florida, you can find more. How can they find more about Four Kids? Can, is it fourkids.org? Fourkids.us, and that's the, the fourkids.us, four, and then kids. Okay, so number four k i d s dot us, and wherever you are nationally, we have a lot of partners um, throughout the nation. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to be a part of this movement in some way, we'll connect you. We'll connect okay. you with organizations and, and, and initiatives that, that you can be a part of. Andrew, thank you. And we I, we use Care Portal here in Arizona and uh, careportal.org as well. So 4kids, yeah. uh, 4kids.us. Andrew, thank you so much. God bless you and your ministry. Love talking with you. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.